Hello there. This is your non-British co-host, Adam St. John, with a brief message before today's episode. Something happened during the recording session in which we recorded three episodes, and for whatever reason, my microphone didn't sound as great as it normally does. Now, Ian, in his total Britishness, sounds fantastic as he always does. I, on the other hand, sound kind of distant and not as clear as I normally do. Uh, Please believe us that the problem has been solved and going forward we will be okay but for today's episode it will not we apologize and we didn't want to re-record because we enjoyed the conversation that we had and we hope that you enjoy it too thanks and enjoy this episode so bold one you are and who gave you leave to be kissing me so you can talk yes i can i will and i do and it's more than talk you'll be getting if you step a step closer to me don't worry you got a wallop you'll get over it i'm thinking well, some things a man doesn't get over so easy. Like what, supposing? Like the sight of a girl coming through the fields with the sun on her hair, kneeling in church with a face like a saint. Saint indeed. And now come into a man's house to clean it for him? But that was just by way of being a good Christian act. I know it was, Mary Kate Danaher. And I was nicer. Not at all. Hello again, and welcome to another episode of A Thousand and One by One, where we take a film out of the wonderful book, A Thousand and One Movies You Must See Before You Die. Discuss it analyze it, and ultimately decide whether or not it should be in the book. My name is Adam St. John. My name is Ian Woodington. And uh, as we always do, before we talk about the main film of today's podcast, we will give you some recommendations. And we didn't decide before this who was going to go first. Who's going first? You want to flip a coin? Sure. Nobody has a coin. Yep. That's just Ian making sound effects yeah. back in the... I don't care. I'll go first. Uh, so my recommendation is we've talked a lot about A24. Yes, we have. On this on this podcast and how they're kind of the heir to the throne as far as great independent filmmaking goes. You know, the taking up the mantle left behind by uh, Focus Features. Mm-hmm. Um, a Prayer Before Dawn. I don't, I've only heard the title. Yeah, so I don't this know is about uh, it. starring Joe Cole, who uh, is in one of my favorite shows at the minute. Uh, Peaky Blinders. Okay. Have you you haven't started no, the Peaky no, Blinders? No, you've you've talked about. I, it a I've lot. talked I've talked yeah. about Peaky Blinders at length. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Joe Cole plays uh, the youngest brother in the Peaky Blinders show, John. But in this, he's uh, he's playing a, a real guy, and this film uh, evokes a lot of Midnight Express. Like okay. take take Midnight Express, take it out of Turkey, and drop it in, you know, uh, in in Thailand. And, of course, add some Thai boxing to it. I mean, yeah, okay, the plot isn't really anything similar, but the feeling, that foreigner in a, in a foreign jail kind of thing, somebody who is, is forced to go mentally and physically as far as he can under extreme duress. So he is uh, a former boxer. Uh, we don't know how or why he's in Thailand. He's definitely estranged from his family, his, his father and his brother. He, he mentions that those, those are really his only family. And... Um, he gets arrested for uh, drug possession, and of course, in other parts of the world, I mean, 
you can be thrown in jail for the rest of your life as you I don't know if you've seen Midnight Express or not I haven't I know of it but I haven't yeah exactly for the same sort of things and so in order to survive he and try to sort of reduce his sentence because he was actually released he well he was transferred to uh, a British prison later in life and then he was given a, a former pardon by the Thai government and has sort of he has tried to sort of get back into his old life and I think he's he's training young kids to be boxers now so he has turned his life around which is great so he's in this he's in this Thai prison and again as I said he he starts learning how to how to how to box in the sort of Thai because it's different because they use they don't just use their their fists in Thai boxing they use a lot of it's closer I would say to to UFC not in the same way that they do the grappling there but there's a lot more legwork involved yeah. in it as well yeah. and the the training sequences in it are fantastic I mean this film goes to some nasty nasty dark places in fact Liz didn't finish it with me hey uh, so and she, she's not the most overly sensitive person I know it's just that she's like wow I can't I'm not doing oh, this thing okay. All right. so. I mean, it, it's good. Joe Cole, fantastic in it. It's also got, um, and again, I apologize for butchering the pronunciation of this name, but uh, Vithaya Pansring, Pansring Arm. Ooh, I have no idea. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably butchering that, but he people will know him maybe from Only God Forgives as the cop in that film, which is a film I absolutely loved, <laughs> Only God it, yeah. Forgives. I know that was not uh, the most popular opinion to have of that film. Um, but I, I loved it. He's, he was great in that, and he's great in this as well. Um, just be prepared for a really tough watch. Okay. But, I mean, it's it's fantastic. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, and again, another great A24 film. Yep. So, a lot of our recommendations lately have been documentaries. I recently recommended Mining the Gap. You recommended Won't You Be My Neighbor. Uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor, and this is going to be out weeks after the Oscar. So, But Won't You Be My Neighbor was noticeably not nominated for best documentary feature, and what a travesty that was. And uh, at the DGAs, a movie won best documentary feature that also wasn't nominated for best documentary feature at the Oscars, and that movie is called Three Identical Strangers. Oh, I'm very interested in this one. And this movie is really well done. It's a really well done documentary, and it's the real it's it's documents it's a real life story about these uh, three estranged brothers triplets that were separated at birth they were given up for adoption and they were all taken within a hundred miles of each other and two of them discover each other uh first uh up, up at college and then they then the third one discovers that oh they look like me too and so they become this media sensation kind of in the early 80s and you you hear they they do the, all the tours they're on donahue they're on good morning america they are everywhere it's a, it's this kind of heartwarming story these three brothers find each other after 18 years and it's it's wonderful but well then, there's there's got to be a there's got to be oh, a flip a, side somewhere there's a but there's a but um so the movie starts asking questions about you know why were they separated uh, you know and and you know who who was their birth mother and there's a there's a lot going on behind the scenes as to why they were separated and there's a there's more of a sinister reason as to the the reasons for this and especially not getting uh, an academy award nomination which i think would would help it's would propel that um it's that that it's out there as a movie um it not getting nominated i think obviously hurts its exposure so i really i i can't say any more because there is a for a documentary there is a twist I would say there's actually two twists that come up in this movie, and it takes a left turn that you just 
you can't see coming because you don't want to believe that people are this messed up. And yet, people are this messed up. Um, but it's fascinating. Fascinating. And hearing the people, hearing the brothers talk about it is what is what keeps you keeps reminding you, no, 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 this is real. These are real people. This, this really happened. It's... It's, now does it does it come back to them now in present day? Yep. Okay. Yeah. There, it's them, basically reminiscing about the whole thing. Okay. Um. So, and I'm being vague about a couple of things intentionally. Well, I'm getting kind of. I I hope I'm not right, but I'm kind of getting. A, I don't know if you've ever saw ever seen uh, Tim Roth's directorial debut, the the War Zone. I haven't seen it. Oh, okay. Well. Um. So I don't. I don't know. Some people might know what I'm talking about. Others may not. But it's 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 just it's really it's a really well made documentary. Um, and compelling and interesting and. Now, as of this recording, is it on any kind of streaming service? You can. De- yeah, I, I watched it on on Amazon. Oh, um, I had to rent it. But oh, okay. But All yeah, right. you can. It's out to be rented. So yeah. It's, okay. It's definitely, so it's not included with any subscription. No, as, no, as of not, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But um. But for like the three dollar rental that it was, it was it was more than worth it. it was, Excellent. Really good. I haven't made my top ten for this year because I've been really bad about it with moving and stuff. But I might have two documentaries on my top ten list this year because uh, wow. it was really it was really good. So we're gonna talk. So we're gonna talk about a movie today. And our our tie in because we do this sometimes. We'll try to tie a movie into things going on in the real world, whether it's film related or not. And we're right around St. Patty's Day. Yeah. And so we thought, hey might be fun to do uh, a quote-unquote Irish movie. Um, and so we decided that we were going to talk about John Ford's The Quiet Man. And um, before we get into who made it, who's in it, anything like that, uh, I just want to make a comment. And Ian, if you would like to follow up my comment with something else, you you absolutely can. Um, I, I just would like to say about The Quiet Man, fuck this movie. I'll give you my answer right now. We're not even 10 minutes into this podcast, and I'm telling you this movie should not absolutely in any way, shape, or form be in this I'm, I'm nodding my head in absolute agreement right now. So, I mean, hopefully that doesn't mean that you'll stop the episode right now. No, and hopefully... We do, we do have some interesting things to say about it. And, and apparently everybody loves this movie. Yeah. Um, which baffles my mind. So anyway... Um, different, different times, man. Yes. Uh, different so times. This is our second... John Ford film. I believe Which this I, is the first. Yeah, I'm surprised. I would have thought that it would have been Hitchcock first. Yeah, I, I do too. I do too. Especially because I just watched a Hitchcock well, hang film on. for the first time recently. And did, I can't uh, tell you what it is, but it's good. Did uh, did the same person direct the two Buster Keatons? Oh, I guess no. we can't really count that. No, because one was, one was Fatty Arbuckle and one was somebody else I can't remember off the that's top right. of That's right. Okay. No, they weren't. Well, and I wouldn't count that one anyway because that was a double feature. It's not yeah. like something that we're revisiting yeah. later. But yeah, um, no, I'm, I'm really surprised it wasn't. Hitchcock first, yeah, because he's in there eighteen times. Yes, yeah. we'll have to do Hitchcock soon, just to do it, just yeah. to make up for this this shitty. Movie I don't know about you, man. I'm. It, it's uh, it's the sixtieth anniversary of North by Northwest. So. That was it, dude. I just okay. Maybe we should. We'll do it. Yeah, we're gonna do it. But here you go, folks. You heard it here first. Yeah. We got North by Northwest coming, coming up. up, coming up. Um. So, anyways, The Quiet Man, directed by John Ford, uh, written by Frank S. Nugent, based on the short story by Maureen Walsh. The main cast. John Wayne as uh, Sean Thornton, Maureen O'Hara as uh, Mary-Kate Danaher, Barry Fitzgerald as Michaeline, Ward Bond as Father Peter Lonergan, and the only other one I wrote down was uh, Victor McLaughlin um, as well, Red Will Danaher. Well, because he's a frequent uh, John Ford Collab. I think they were in se- – he did seven films 
with John Ford? I didn't write the number, but I knew it, it was a lot. Yeah, it was, yeah. It, it was a hefty number. So, and also, I mean, oh, go ahead. John Wayne and Maureen O'Hara, this yes. is one of five collaborations between them. Yep. Um, so the movie came out in 52. We are So we've already talked about Grapes of Wrath. That's the other John Ford movie we've talked about. Well, uh, speaking of the premiere, oh. it's very interesting. I mean, of course, because it's set in Ireland, I mean, they did a, a premiere there. But very odd that it's usually the reverse. Films typically come out in the States first if they're American-made films. And then it's, it's several, having grown up in England, I can tell you, it's several months before we get them. In fact, I was uh, quite irritated in the, when I immigrated uh, my brother who had immigrated before me told me about Born Identity being out in the summer. I was like, oh yeah, wait, I can't wait to see that. It looks great. Of course, it had left theaters by the time I got to the States and it hadn't quite come out <laughs> in England yet. So unfortunately, I didn't get to see the first Born in theaters, but uh, that's neither here nor there. That's but it's, it's, I just bring that up because it's interesting that this film was out. It, is, yeah. it was out in uh, in July in the UK and of course, American audiences had to wait until se- end of September to see it. Wow. And that's too bad for them. Yeah. Sorry. It really is. Really just... Anyway, so the other the other John Ford movies, as we mentioned before in our Grapes of Wrath episode, but I'll stay, stay here, uh, Stagecoach in 39, which I am interested in seeing because I haven't seen that yet. Um, How Green Was My Valley, My Darling Clementine, Rio Grande, The Searchers, and The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. Talk about accolades. This is the movie that got John Ford his fourth Best Director Academy Award. And there's no other director that has four. No, yeah. I think I think isn't it two? Isn't two the other? Yeah. it's the most. It's the most by anybody else before yeah. this. So, whatever. I I have I have feelings about that. And of course, we talk about Hitchcock. Hitchcock didn't have one. No, which is ah, uh, yeah. Uh, we'll get yeah. Anyways, anyways. Um, but so this movie won two Academy Awards. It won uh, Best Director for John Ford, and it won Best Cinematographer. And I'm gonna say right now that my unsung hero is Winton. I don't know how to say it, it's Hawk or Hoke. H O C H O C H. The cinematography of this movie is gorgeous. Even I, even though the continuity is garbage. Well, we'll talk about that because the because the rear projection versus the actual on location is horseshit. It's, it is bad. It's the worst it's I've ever seen. Very, and I blame the editor for that. Less cinematography. Well, I I would blame the I would blame the the, the well, set set designers yeah, there. Yeah, but um, uh, so that there's that. Um, just some notable things about that year. So The Greatest Show on Earth is what won Best Picture. Haven't seen it, but by all accounts, it's one of the um, the worst Best Picture winners of all time. And, w- and also High Noon came out that year, and uh, that's the year Gary-, Gary Cooper won Best Actor. Uh, between all those movies, I actually I, I really like High Noon. I would have loved to have seen that, maybe snag something else big. But anyways, so that's that. Well, um, I mentioned Set Decoration. It lost that to the original Moulin Rouge. Which is a yes. gorgeous film if yeah. you haven't seen that. I haven't, but I I, I know I've it, seen it's very that. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is, or that what I've seen of it is good. Um, John Ford won the DGA. It was the best film of the year uh, according to the National Board of Review. Hey, uh, Ian, was this film inducted into the National Film Registry? Yeah, not that long ago, 2013. Yes, it was. Um, it won the Golden Lion at the Venice Film Festival. And my favorite one, I wrote a question mark after this because I cannot fucking believe this. It won the Writers Guild of America Best American Comedy? Is this movie funny to you? No. No. No, I don't think so. So I think I cracked a smile. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. (laughs) Who knows? And it was a... It was a... It was a very reserved smile at that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, wait, uh, did you just did you just say it won the Golden Lion? Yeah. No, it lost the Golden Lion. Oh, did it? To Forbidden Games. Okay. It won three others at at oh, at, Venice. at Venice. Maybe that's it's it still it still did very well at Venice. Yeah. 
Um, and then Rotten Tomatoes as a 90% right now. That's the critics and the 91 for the audience. I think you people are all insane for thinking this movie is that good. Uh, Just, and, it, and it doubled its budget as well. As well, it did very well at the box office. Yeah. Um, and here's so I got I found the review from the New York Times. And I, I hate this review because I, I just – this guy clearly loved this movie, and I, I hate it. Is it H.W. Weiler? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have him too. I'm just going to read like the opening like, couple of paragraphs. Before praising The Quiet Man, which came to the Capitol yesterday, we ought to make one or two matters clear. John Ford, who directed it, was born in Maine, but christened Sean Aloysius O'Finney. Also, he admits that he has assiduously studied the Irish for 40 years, that he doesn't know a thing about them, and that he has never met an Irishman with whom he could agree. All of which apparently doesn't make a bit of sense at all. For it is obvious that in The Quiet Man, he actually went to the Emerald Isle with some of his veteran players, then enlisted some Abbey Theater stalwarts before turning his Technicolor cameras on those fine boyos and colleens. Ha ha! A rollicking tale, and the green dewy countryside to come up with as darling a picture as we've seen this year. As we were saying, Mr. Ford and Frank S. Nugent, his scenarist, who used Maureen Walsh's story to arrive at a dialogue that is as tuneful as a lark song, having themselves a rollicking time. Fuck that. Well, there's another one as well <sighs> from The New Yorker. Uh, Philip Hamburger of The New Yorker. What said, a stupid name. Yeah, If I am to believe what I saw in John Ford's sentimental new film, The Quiet Man, practically everybody in Ireland is just as cute as a button. <laughs> How condescending can you be, man? Especially when that Michael Lane character is so stereotypically Irish. Oh my god, there's borderline racism in this film. Oh, it was over the border it's, a little it's, bit. It's definitely there. I mean, my, I mean, I know there's a lot of Irish immigrants in this country. My great grandmother was Irish, uh, and I am offended on her behalf. There you go. At almost every second of this film. Yeah. I don't even know where to. St- okay, so let's just let's just try to get the basic plot out right now. So John Wayne plays Sean Thornton. He, what you don't know right away, is that he is kind of he's fleeing something, but he's basically he is returning to this hamlet in Ireland where he was born and where his family kind of grew up. Seven generations. Seven generations of the Thorntons, and uh, apparently his name precedes him. People kind of know his his parents uh, and his grandparents. Um, and there's the neighboring land, which uh, which is uh, ran by the Danahers, and they want to buy the land, which is owned by this other lady. And yeah, because he's right in between them, yeah. by the sound of it. Yes, and so basically he gets the land, and he sees Maureen O'Hara, uh, who is Mary-Kate. And right now, I will say, best shot in the film. When we first see her? I mean, it's kind of low down. Yes. The, the camera is kind of low. Oh, she she's... pops. Oh my goodness! It's gorgeous. Like her red hair, the blue dress that she's wearing against the background, but against the 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 skyline and the sheep. It's just again, again, the cinematography I think is gorgeous. Oh, she it's the has same guy who did the Searchers, and I think the Searchers is really good as well. Yeah. I I think it's fantastic. That is the the one thing I think about this movie that I enjoyed is is how it looked. Aside from the cutting from uh, on location to rear projection, which is just it's just abysmal how bad that is. So yeah, as far as Maureen O'Hara goes, she has... I've never seen her in a film before. I mean, obviously, I know the name. Yeah. But because of this film, the, the one thing that I will say that this film has done positively for me is now I, I do want to seek out more Maureen O'Hara films because she has completely replaced Lana Turner as my golden age of Hollywood crush. Oh! Oh, I just... She is just startlingly beautiful. No, she's she looks great in the movie. Yeah. I mean, she I mean, I'm sure she was beautiful anyway, but yeah. she looks great in the movie. I mean, and she's 
really talented. Yeah, Be- beautiful no, voice. No, she no, she was. Okay, I guess I just said the cinematography might be a little bit. I do like her in the movie. Yes, I just, I, 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 can't I don't. Believe... Well, I preface I'll say I don't like her character, but I like what she does with it. Sure, yeah, that's well, that's fair. That's but the sign of a good actress. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, there is so much stuff that I read about this movie that pisses me off. Starting with, and I'll just throw this out there now because I this movie hasn't aged well a one bit. Well, we didn't we didn't finish the plot. Oh, have we not? No. Okay. We, we stopped it. We got sidetracked at Marino Hara. Okay. Well, anyways, as we continue on talking about the plot of this shit show of a movie, um, Sean Thornton starts <laughs> to court Mary Kate, uh, much to her brother's chagrin. Um, he doesn't want to sign off on the marriage. There's a whole thing about a race, and he suddenly, they dupe the, it's so stupid. Um, basically, the brother says, sure, you can marry my sister, and they get married. Because that gets her out of the house so that he can then start courting the old widow yes to try and you know get in on her no i know i just i I thought that was all yeah it's it's stupid yeah um but then the the marriage doesn't go as 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 wonderfully as it could and you ultimately find out that um sean was a boxer back in the states who was recognized by uh not 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 one one character one of the priests yes and, um, the the sort of the the priest on the opposite end of the whole one of them's Catholic and one of them's Protestant. Yes, yeah, yeah, thank you. So this is the I believe this is the Protestant priest who recognizes him. Yeah, and um, you find out he was a boxer and he killed a guy in the ring and basically it, you know John Wayne has this whole thing that he did, basically did it for money and so money's not important to him, which is why the whole thing about the dowry is kind of confusing him. And, yeah, because that's why their marriage is falling apart. He yes. didn't get the three hundred pound dowry that yeah. he was supposed to for marrying. Mary Kate. Um, Which kind of leads to the part that irritates me. So there's a scene where right towards the end where she's basically trying to leave. She's getting on the train that's going to go to Dublin. And apparently the train system is always late. And those, those people at the train station who are trying desperately hard to be funny but aren't being funny. um, John Wayne goes and because the train is always late, he finds her. He drags her off the train and uh, begins to drag her for miles. We assume at least five. To basically go pick a fight with her brother. And now, prove to her that he cares about her. This, yeah. is, this is how he's proving that he cares. I'm going to get your yeah. dowry. I'm going to force you to watch me get your dowry. Now, now as you wa- watching this, it's not just watching this with 2019 eyes. It's watching this as a person. That's fucked up. I hate I hated seeing him drag her. I know and this there's this night rollicking light music playing over because this is supposed to be funny. No, it's not. Like, if you're a fan of misogyny, this I'm is sure, this is your oh, film. I'm sure, is, I'm sure Trump loves this movie. Oh yeah. Um but <laughs> sorry, he might probably does though. Um so it's not just that. It's not just what's happening on screen is just fucked up and not funny. Well, and the way that it's treated as well. Sure. But behind the scenes, John Ford and John Wayne intentionally were kicking sheep shit onto the onto the, the the ground where she would ultimately fall and be dragged through. Maureen O'Hara and some of the female extras would kick it off, and then they would just put it back on. And at the end, more, more, apparently Maureen O'Hara is excited, saying, "Oh, what you do for it for, for your film or whatever." The but- misogyny is going off camera, and and I read that after the film. I'm already I'm already livid about this movie. Yeah. I, I watched the movie. I go, this movie. I, I, I hate this movie. And then I read that and I'm like, that is, that's so messed up. Yeah. I, and this movie is lauded 
by so many people. I just can't. Well, a practical joke is one thing, but show a little goddamn professional courtesy. It, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's already so much in that scene that could go wrong. As it is, I yeah. mean, somebody could break an ankle or yeah. an arm. Oh, absolutely. Or, yeah, absolutely. Um, I ju- and I totally jumped to something, but that's I've been thinking. I, so we're recording this on a Sunday. I watched this on Friday, and when after I read that note about the, the sheep shit and everything like that, I that hasn't left my mind, and it's been really irritating me because as an actor, I think things should be genuine. I think you should. Um, try to keep things as real as possible with in terms of being safe and respectful to the actors. I also read that there's that moment where she goes to hit, like she's in, she's cleaning his house or what's going to be his, or I think, it, I think maybe he, it is his house now. She's trying to tidy it up. And there's that very iconic shot of her trying to leave and he pulls her yeah, back Yeah, and in. the wind blowing through and yeah. And she goes to hit him and he puts his hand up and she smacks it. She broke her wrist. And because of how they were shooting it, they couldn't actually... No, the film was it. shot pretty much in sequence. Yeah. Again, why was that ever done that way? And I know this was back... This is way before people were thinking about, like, stuntmen were, were kind of few and far between, and we weren't really thinking about actor safety, which is crazy to even... That that, that was even true. But again, I just... John Wayne would never have broken his hand. They would have, they would have done something different. They would have, you know... But a Maureen O'Hara... Doesn't even like slap his face. He like blocks it, and I don't know. I just, I I lost tremendous amounts of respect for John Ford because of this. Uh, yeah, yeah, me too. I mean, I'm still curious to see some of his other movies. Some of the at least at least the other movies had won him Best Director to see yeah. just what this was all about. But I mean, and I heard he's pretty much pretty much a staunch Republican anyway. And I feel like in terms of what I my personal beliefs versus his, I'm sure I would have little in common with him anyway. But this movie has really distanced any kind of respect I have for John yep. Ford. Yeah, as I said, if you love racism and misogyny, this is one hundred percent your film. Well, talk. Can you? I want you to talk a little bit more about that. The 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 Irishness. And the, well, it's the, well. The th- I was irritated from the very get go. The fact that they had to call out these are the Irish the players. Irish players. Yeah, yeah. Like, why does that matter? Like, they're they're actors like anybody else. You don't need to call out the fact that they are the Irish player. So immediately I was irritated. Yeah. Like before the film even started. And and as you mentioned, you you well, you mentioned before we started recording the score. Oh yeah, I was, decided I decided over the opening credits how much I disliked the score. Yeah. And the fact that it, oh my god, that it runs two hours and nine minutes. Yeah. And I'm sure you read the story about him fighting to keep those nine minutes. And then, oh god, then I kind of hate reading that because I I kind of like that. I like that that power play. Yeah, so do I. Here's, I always I always you want respect. this to be two hours. Here, I'll show you two hours of this movie and cut it off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's 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 a cool that that's that's one of those anecdotes that you like to hear. Yeah, you know, and I'd almost you I, always I, love I, when a filmmaker stands up for their art. Yeah. I mean, you can't you. It's the same again. Coming back to the Brazil episode. You know, it's almost an unfair fight because you're always going to root for the underdog. You're always going to yeah. root for the filmmaker against the studio, yeah. I think. Oh, that, so there's something I... Um, so the, the horse race that happens uh, kind of in the middle of the movie. Yeah. So oh, that, and the thing the, with the bonnet, with him not choosing her bonnet. Yeah. yeah. Well, storyline-wise, yeah, that's what's going on. But I didn't. what I didn't realize is... So I was watching it, and I go, this is kind of intense. And it it didn't... It looked a little different. Um. And what I didn't know until I was doing reading the notes about this movie is that uh, John Ford was ill the day they were supposed to shoot this. And so John Wayne directed this, the race. Yeah. 
actually looked pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it had Wayne Wayne had never directed a film. I don't think so, and I don't think he had since. I mean, it's a. I think that that shows that hey, maybe there was an an untold talent. Yeah. Somewhere there in John Wayne. Yeah. And while we're talking, if if we can switch gears because we've been bad mouthing this film for however long we've been bad mouthing it yeah. now, if you want to switch gears and talk about some positive things, how good is that boxing flashback? How, oh, how modern does that feel? That, yes, it did. It, it, yep, it's, I agree. Wow, what what a complete 180 from everything else that we see in this film. Mm-hmm. The flashback, it's a great hard cut, and I love, I'm a fan of hard cuts. Me too. Me I, too. It's great, it's so not of its time. Like, there's no way that this belongs in a film from 1952. This is great, and the, 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 the modern way in which that shot, those close-ups looking directly into camera, it just... I mean, the restoration I saw first and foremostly was great, and so that that really enhanced viewing that scene. Did you just stream it, or I did. Okay, but it's been. Uh, I believe it, uh, uh, this is a Paramount film. Well, I uh, it's a Republic. Republic, film. but I think Paramount. Okay, had yeah, the, I don't know. I don't know who bought I, it. I think out, Paramount but... had the the distribution rights. Okay. Uh, and then they, uh, Olive Films, who is a company I've never heard of before this, they did a restoration of it a few years ago. And so that's the, that's, that's so funny. All of all, that's so, that's sorry. I have to just, as we're talking, all of the, the restoration of High Noon that I've, that I've seen. Oh, the same year, which is just really interesting is all. So that, they're definitely on my radar now because yeah. their restoration of this thing is incredible. High Noon looked good. It's, it's better than A Quiet Man Deserves. Yeah. I'll say their restoration. See, and that's the thing. Whereas I, last week I talked about Eight and a Half, there is a good film in there. Somewhere in this thing, there is a good movie. I don't see. I I, I disagree. When you well, when you talk about his the the boxing flashback, and when you talk about when he's sitting down talking to the Protestant priest and talking about what it means to kill a man and how I have to carry that weight with me. I, okay, I think, that's that's I think good. This, that's the best. I think the section, seed, the seed of a story, is in there, but I, I don't. I don't know. I, I think. If you took, if you could reshoot it and take out all the racism and misogyny, but is, maybe. Is what... But I still don't know that I care. I, I I really don't care about a lot of the people in this movie, and I, and I don't know if it's the way that they're written or the way that they're portrayed. But I just I'm not. I don't know. Well, that's I, what I'm saying. Is if the film took some time and extrapolated on what he did and why he has come back. I mean, I'm. So what I, my doorway into this film and trying to connect with it and ultimately failing because of all the film's failings is that I, as we've talked about, I'm, I'm not a U.S. citizen. I'm from the U.K. Yeah. And so I'm a, I'm a person that has had his foot in two countries and felt torn between my relationships with people here and my relationships with people there and the feelings that I have, my patriotism for my home country versus, you know, my now my adopted home. Yeah. And so that's... I that I really wanted to like project something of myself into that, and yeah. so therefore care about John and try and relate to that. Uh, but ultimately, I couldn't. Yeah, because of how every Irishman in this film is treated like a bumbling drunk, and oh, we're gonna have a good old sing song down in the pub, and well, hang on, well, you bring that up. The guy playing the accordion, like, I just feel like I I, I don't know if it was him as in the character or as the actor. He's just. I feel like he was so waiting for his cue that when it came, he's just playing so quickly. And I, I was taken aback. I was like, what? Yeah. How, how did he know to play that so quickly? It just, I was just a weird, weird <laughs> moment. Um, but you mentioned, yeah, you just to, to kind of piggyback on all the, the Irish stereotypes. It's just, either they're, it's like either everybody seems to be drunk or stupid. 
Yeah, it's, like, it's so disrespectful. I, I love Ward Bond in Searchers. Have you seen The Searchers? I have not. I really like him in that. I like his character. And he's the guy playing the, the father who's always fishing. Yeah. Again, I just feel like this guy just seems like an idiot to me. Well, the, he serves no real purpose. No, in the not really. No, not like the not like the Protestant. Well, you have to have being that you're an island, you have to have that balance between Protestant and Catholic. And even the way that that's treated is disrespectful. And there are references to the IRA. Yeah, and not there's part of the the speech, part of the toast at the wedding that's cut off when they talk about having a free free nation. Yeah, because the idea of Ireland being a free state at the time was too radical an idea. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm all about, as Paul McCartney said, give Ireland back to the Irish. You know, I mean, I'm I'm all for. I well, I, I feel very I feel very conflicted about it because I don't agree with the way that the IRA back during the the heyday of the oh, troubles. Sure, I mean they were there's the only thing that I agree with Margaret Thatcher on is that I don't believe those guys should have been treated as political prisoners because it's one thing if you're going to bomb a base, you're going to aim for a military target. No, these guys were bombing fucking churches. Yeah. So no, fuck you, man. You're not a POW. You're a fucking prisoner. It's going to get treated like everybody else. So, I mean, if there's any anybody that, that feels differently, well, I apologize for conflicting. I'm with assuming you, you've seen, have you seen in the name of the father? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and the, the way that the Irish have been treated by us over the the centuries now, I mean, it's disgrace. It's one of the things that does make me feel ashamed to be English. Oh, dude, you, you, you want to go down America's past? Yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah. No, I, it, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Um, but and, and again, this film just reinforces those stereotypes and the way that the, the Irish have been looked down upon. Yeah. over the years yeah and so i mean it, ultimately this is just a disrespectful racist piece of garbage and i guess i just wonder you know how it wasn't seen that way at the time because it, although it's all there yeah. it's all there the stereotypes the the mistreatment of women it's very blatant and on screen and yeah. yet just saying for me saying it's the 1950s and that was a different time I'm, that's not an excuse and again it's one of those i think i think Part of the reason why I hated the score was because the score was trying to tell me, no, 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 this is funny, it's lighthearted, don't worry, it's it's okay, and I, I yeah, exactly, but you're you're showing me one thing and trying yeah, to tell me something ex- else. Exactly. You're not going to pull the wool over my eyes on this. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I guess I don't even know. Do you, I mean, do you have a favorite shot or a favorite a favorite scene? Well, I I love the boxing flashback. I, yeah, I, I brought that up. I think that's great, I and I too. love what follows it. His conversation with the priest. But again, my my favorite shot is our introduction to Marino. I because I, I, I absolutely believe that he is smitten with her and is is falls in love with her immediately. Oh, I I believe too. that. I mean, and I do think there are moments in this that are some of John Wayne's most underrated moments. Obviously, his greatest role will always be Rooster Cogburn. It's always going to be True Grit. I haven't seen his. Oh, you haven't? No. Okay, it's amazing. But he's great in the Searchers. Actually, well, we'd have to. I think we need to flip and see him because I think yeah. he's, I think he's phenomenal yeah. in the Searchers. But he he does. There are there are little pieces of of good acting in there, and I can, I understand to a degree him saying that this is his favorite performance. I I and I want to imagine it's maybe he's well. I think he probably believes it, but I think part of it too is maybe it's because it's the most un. John Wayne. Yeah, I mean, this was a big risk. Although, can I, can I, I got to say something though, because I, 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 I want you to. Are you going to talk about how the? Well, you know, well, 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 well John Wayne, John Ford, obviously, they're known for their westerns, and Republic were were not known for this type of film. It was a risk. 
yeah, that's yeah, that's that's what I thought you were gonna say. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they didn't. Yeah, it was a big for and for the studio, not just yeah. to make the movie, but the studio. This was not the kind of film that they made. No. Yeah. Um. There's so there's the scene where they're in town, and she leaves without him, and so he's forced to walk back. Yeah. And I was watching that moment, and I was like, "Wow, John Wayne really does have." A John Wayne walk, doesn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. And I was like, man, I've... Because I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm not the biggest John Wayne fan. I think I've, this is my, my third or fourth John Wayne movie I've seen. But I was like, man, that walk, that is that is a John Wayne walk, man. That is that is a unique way of walking Oh, yeah. Around. Well, I, and I do, as far as, again, coming back to things that we are looking for to try and appreciate in this film, is the, the courtship scenes between them are quite good. And when they ditch micheline and the, the the courtship ends in a graveyard yeah. which is kind of weird but i mean it's it's still a, a pretty good scene i like him taking off his coat and putting that i mean it, it's the there are some nice it's a shame because there are some nice romantic gestures in this film and then they're followed up with you know what we've already yeah, talked about yeah, which is what it's yeah, i barely remember those moments yeah cause it's because they're because they're so overshadowed by yeah. this this other garbage and i another thing that i, I like red will's you know, when somebody pisses him off, get the book. Your yeah. name's going in the book, and I'm yeah. striking a line through it. He was nominated for this. Yeah, I know. And I don't know how I feel about it. No. I don't know. It's, how it's I a feel fine about enough it. performance, but is it is it award worthy? And why? Well, no. I well, yeah, I don't think so. Um. Uh. So in terms of, and I don't, I actually didn't think the script was all that great. I, no. I, there was one line I liked because it was, it was such a, a nice like a retort that I really enjoyed it. And so it's early on when. Basically, I think I think Red's trying to pick a fight with 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 Sean, and Sean's response is, "I'm gonna I'm gonna count to three. and his response is, "If you say three, Mister, you won't hear the man count ten. That's good. I really do like that. That is line. good. I heard that, and I was like, "Okay, all right, that's a good response, and, so, and a good and a nice little little homage to the fact that he's a boxer. Of course, he would know right. the ten count. But I so just, to the flip side of that coin." What I believe the worst line in the film is, is during their courtship. Yeah. And uh, she, Micheline sees her about to strike him. And he goes, wait until he's your husband and he can hit you back. Oh, God. What? Yeah. Yeah. There it is. No, that's. That's, that's, that's your Riders Guild of America best American comedy line right there. Yeah. Ha 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 ha. That's uh, funny. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Funny you know, stuff. You know, a while ago, a couple episodes back, I believe it was our Duck Soup episode. We said that that was going to be our shortest episode. And this might be it because uh, we're we're wrapping up already. I, I, don't, I don't. I think we've said everything we I need don't, to. I don't. I mean, unless you want me to shit on this movie some more, I can easily find more things. Oh. But I just <laughs> well, like like we talked about before we started the episode. Marina O'Hara was said to have her her last moments on Earth were listening to this score, and so were George A. Romero's just, of all people. Okay, so I can't. I, to, to George A. Romero, I, I can't. With with Maureen O'Hara, I just want to assume that maybe she couldn't control what was being played, and somebody very near and dear to her put on the score to this movie because she knew that if she was in it. No, um, I want I want to hope that this wasn't Maureen O'Hara's like request. No, it probably was, but that's my like secret no. hope. And I think we can both. We usually do an unsung hero. Um, my, no, mine's the cinematographer. So is mine. Yeah, but I, I will say this: I bet John Ford is pissed that uh, the advent of widescreen wasn't until a year later. Yeah, because imagine how good that would have looked in some, you know, those panoramic vistas. And I think so. So, um, hold on, I just want to because I want to. So this was fifty-two and widescreen was 50. Search, searches was fifty-six. Yeah, same cinematographer. 
and you you can tell the difference. Yeah, you, it's just, I mean, and, and obviously you look at any kind of a Technicolor movie, you would too. But but um, it, oh yeah, man, Searchers well, it's, just it's, looks it's those Monument Valley with, shots, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So it's definitely a no from me. Oh, it's a yeah. So um, a hearty, unreserved no. And we haven't had we haven't really been at this point in a while. I feel like so. Ian, what would you replace this movie with? Because I think undoubtedly it needs to come out of the book. Yeah. So what would you replace it with? The Wind That Shakes the Barley. Oh, I don't know this. Oh, really? No. Okay. So you you should seek this out. Okay. Because you are a big fan of I, Daniel Blake. <sighs> it's Ken Loach. Oh, okay, great. Okay. Um, so The Wind That Shakes the Barley is a real Irish film with... Oh, well, there were real Irish people in, in The Quiet Man, but I'm going to say real actual Irish actors who care about their craft and not being made to look like a shitty stereotype. Sure. So it's set uh, in the 1920s, uh, and it's really kind of about the birth of the IRA and about the the civil war that happened in Ireland and then treatment of Irish people by the British. It's got Killian Murphy in it in one of the, the best roles of his career so far. It's also got Liam Cunningham, who people will know from Game of Thrones. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, first thing I saw Liam Cunningham in was Dog Soldiers, which will, I'll, I'll love him forever in that because he plays the uh, the Paul Reiser sort of role from Aliens in that, Okay, which is great. But yeah, no, I mean, it's just, it's it's not an easy watch. It's it's a long film that I will say that you feel every minute of because it, it is it, it, there are some quite prolonged sequences, especially when it comes to these boys training, and uh, but I mean if you want to see a real Irish film about real Irish struggles, I mean this this is absolutely one. It's it's a masterpiece and it did so very very well at uh, a whole bunch of the in the in the festival circuit at Cannes and, and places like that. Yeah. Well, I, I mean. You sold me a Ken Loach because I've only yeah. seen I Daniel Blake, but it, yeah. the Wind that Shakes the Barley is is a masterpiece. My pick is more of just a you know what I I do not like this movie, and I just want to straight up replace it with something that I think is is good and deserves to be in the book anyway. And um, right now I'm presently looking up to see if this actor is Irish because I don't know he is. Great. So my tie-in is the fact that um, Colin Farrell is Irish, and uh, I think In Bruges should be in the book. It's not. It was. It's not in its current edition. And uh, I love you more now than I have than uh, I have ever. Great. I love you too. Thank you for saying that. In Bruges is. Oh, well, we have a we have a personal connection to In Bruges. I actually had to twist your arm to go see this film, if you, you remember. So I had seen it. I actually saw In Bruges three times in theaters. And I think our viewing was the second time. I'd seen it about a week before, and I came to visit you and Melissa. Uh, up in Bellingham. Up in Bellingham. Yep. I, I think this was a different visit from when you directed Closer. It was. Okay. Yeah, it was. Um, this is actually, I think this was, well, it would have been after I'd come back from the UK uh, in 07. But so there was this great, is that movie house still up there in uh, Bellingham? It, it's it, it's in a different place now. Okay. But it, it's it's a little more, it's not so hole in the wally. Okay. But yes. It, well, uh, I loved Pickford, that about it's still, it. Well, it. But it's still very much independent cinema. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Pickford, anybody from this area, I mean, make a pilgrimage up to Bellingham. Because yeah. I mean, Bellingham's just a great town. Very as true. As it is. Very Fair, true. I love, I'm in love with Fairhaven. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the Pickford is wonderful. So we, I did. I showed you the trailer for In because you were like, man, I don't want to see a Colin Farrell film. I don't yeah. Wanna, we were looking for a movie to go see. Yep. Together. Yep. 
Um, and actually, one of my favorite memories is not just seeing in Bruges, but when we went and saw uh, Grindhouse. Yeah. It was you and me and Chris. I don't remember if Melissa she was. was, she yeah, was she with was us. She was there, yep. Yeah, and uh, everybody got up after Planet Terror, and we were like, no, 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 there's another one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, when we, we saw in Bruges, I was like, man, you, you have to see this film. This is your kind of film. And you're like, no, it's a Colin Farrell one. I'm not going to do this thing. Yeah. I showed you the trailer. I think it got to the part where they're uh, in the trailer, they show a clip from where they're all up in the hotel room doing the cocaine with the hookers, and he, and he karate chops the midget, the uh, the, the the little actor. Yes, yeah. yeah. The filming midgets. Um, yeah, it's here's the thing. Um, it has n- it's nowhere anywhere close to like a, a like replacement tonally for for the Quiet Man. Um, it's just a good movie, yeah. and it. I know it wasn't an addition. It's not anymore. Um, oh, it should go back in. It does. Yeah, it it's such a it's in. such a crime. There is there is not a false moment in In Bruges. No. And, considering and, and it's how so smart, yeah. I and McDonough, because I know him more as a playwright, but but obviously he's he's become a, he's becoming a more prominent film director as well. Oh God, yeah. Thank God for three billboards. What, um, a, what a film. But but I think how everything shapes up in that movie is great, and it just deserves to be in the book. No. I mean, it's it's so quotable. I mean, Liz and I are planning a trip to Bruges. That's awesome. Uh, in a couple of years. That's awesome. Only because of that film. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, you know, I'm gonna quote that thing the whole fucking time we're oh, yeah. there. Yeah. And I'm gonna find the biggest, fattest Americans I can and wait outside that tower, oh, just so I can pick a fight. <laughs> you know, it's really oh, narrow. <laughs> maybe this is what. Maybe that's what hell is, yeah. in eternity in Bruges. It's great. It's great. And I really, really wished I wasn't dead. Yeah. What an ending. It's great. I had somebody, I, I recommended that film to somebody, and their biggest beef with it was the score. They hate, They said the, the score was very TV movie of the week, that delicate piano. Kind of, I, I loved the. I liked how it worked. I think it helped add to the absurdity of the comedy at moments. Well, it's also slightly disarming. Yeah. It doesn't set you up at all for what you're about to see. Yeah. And the reveal, oh man, the reveal that he killed the kid. Yeah, it's tough. Does that not rip your heart out of your chest? But that's what I mean about McDonough being a smart writer is yeah. later you, on... you should hate this character. I mean, well, he, everything that comes out of his mouth is yes, bile and... But, and, but later on, when, when Ray finds things that he's killed a kid... And he, the realization that, oh, and he And his, I whole, see. his whole code, his whole... Yeah. Like, if, I, if I, that had been me, he, I would have killed myself. And yeah. so when that happens later... I, I love... His, it's almost a moment where he, he comes to terms. This is how amazing Ray finds as an actor. The moment of, of coming to terms with fate. Yeah. That the amount of, of shit that he has talked about, I would kill myself if I ever did this. Yeah. And, and the, oh, the, just the way he delivers the line of, oh, I see. Like, I see you. Fate, I see you. We have come together in this, in this insane moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyways, that's, that's mine. In Bruges. Oh, we could sit here talking about it in Bruges for we the really rest could. of the day. We really could. Um, I'm so happy that's something that we got to, to share. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I totally think about seeing it with you, Melissa, yeah. up there. I, yeah, and it's just such oh, a great, and the fact that we movie. were we were laughing at the most. We were probably the only three people laughing. What an it was such an awkward it, experience it was, as well. Because that movie is darkly funny. It's meant to be yeah. laughed at. Yeah. yeah. And oh man, we were the only three people laughing in there. In fact, I think there were people turning around to look at us like we were nuts at yeah. certain points. I was just fine with whatever. That fuck fine. them. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, fuck them and fuck the quiet man. Um, so those those huge notes from us. Um, the title again of your movie: The Wind That Shakes the Barley. Two thousand six. I believe it won 
the grand prize at Cannes. Oh, okay, cool. I, cool. I, I have to double check myself on that, but yeah. I know it did very well at Cannes. Um, and I'm going to replace it with In Bruges. Um, we just definitely, definitely just shat really all over that movie for yeah. about an hour. Um, but if you disagree or agree or just have opinions about this movie in any way, shape, or form, please let us know what you think. So you can find us on Facebook and on Twitter at 1001 by one If you're listening, you're probably listening on iTunes and Spotify and Google Play. Um, you know, like us, rate us, review us, all those good things. Uh, it really does help. So, you know, tell, tell your friends, you know, we're almost 30 episodes in. So, you know, we're just going to keep doing this thing um, we're gonna have to make sure we put the big parental advisory warning on this episode man oh it doesn't it, it's always on I know. it's always on you should try and make it bigger <laughs> <laughs> oh jesus well until next time uh my name is adam and i am ian and we will see you next week